Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. I debated for a while how I would do this episode of the podcast. I've previously talked about the inspiration for the hidden cities of Gondolin and Nagarthrond. And I didn't want to have to bring up another episode about this, but here, here's some, here's some behind the scenes stuff. Here's some inside baseball. We are currently at chapter 15 of the Silmarillion. Chapter 15 is titled of the Noldor of Beleriand. And most of this chapter talks about the founding and the construction of these cities. We do have a big section in the middle, though, that's very interesting and very um, important because it relays more information about how Melian finds out what's actually going on with the Noldor, Galadriel's relationship with her, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of important things going on here, at least upon first reading but the actual construction of these hidden cities, the locations of the cities, the, the fact that they are hidden itself is a very important theme for Tolkien. He draws from this uh, tradition of the fairy and the fae and the myths of those kinds of creatures and the fact that they exist just beyond the realms of the the natural and the normal into these other kinds of places that are hidden, hidden away. And the realms you've noticed of Beleriand typically are different than just common places where people live. Sure, you've got the Sons of Feanor living in certain sections along the northern parts of the map that we've talked about out in the open in these regular 
lands, I guess you could say. But even then, oftentimes their settlements are in forests, in places that are necessarily easy to find. But then you have places like Doriath, in the girdle of Melian, separating an entire forest from the rest of the geography, the rest of the land. It's, it's actually making it almost impossible for anybody to even get in there. They can see the forest, but once you start traveling in the forest, you can't understand where you're going. You get very confused. In fact, you could wander until you die of dehydration or starvation. So the realms of Gondolin and Nargothrond are also important because they are two more of these hard to find locations. And that's going to be part of the focus of this episode, because that is a very, very important part for the next several hundred years of the story. And it's in the little details about the founding of these realms and the things that the creators learn during this period of time. That I think that's really where the importance of this chapter lies. So although it seems like we might be going back over some stuff, there's a lot of new information contained in this episode. Important information. So let's start with Turgon. Turgon of Navarest. He's currently living in Navarest. He's discovered the hidden veil of Tomb Laden. This is past the River Syrian. It's within an encircling structure of cliff sides and mountains. There's no way to get to this area without finding your way through a hidden series of caves through the mountains till you get to the clearing in the middle where Gondolin is being constructed. And just to remind you guys, this was inspired by Ulmo, the Vala. Ulmo brought Turgon basically to this place and said, here, this is where you want to build your place, more or less kind of let him found it, but it was guiding him. And then he also told him that he was going to protect his lands through the waters of the river along its boundaries, the river Syrian. So that sounds pretty good. But here's the thing. Homo also warned Turgon that he was still under the doom of Mandos. Remember the doom of Mandos that was proclaimed after all the terribleness with Feanor? Almost said that he had no power to remove that. But from his enemies and from unknown individuals just stumbling upon this new city, he could help maintain a certain secrecy with that. Now, Turgon named the location Andolinde. This is in the speech of the elves of Valinor. It means the rock of the music of water, which makes sense, right? You're among a bunch of big mountainous areas surrounded by water, the water that Omo himself is protecting. But most of the elves didn't know it by that name. They called it Gondolin. Gondolin in the Sindarin tongue means the hidden rock. 
And that's what it would become. And it took a long time to create this. It, it, he pulled the craftsmen that he had in Neverest and said, hey, here's what we're going to go do. And we're going to go build this amazing city. He built the city and then moved the people in. He didn't actually move the people in while he was building the city. That way he could secretly move the workers into the area and have them continue building. And then once the city was constructed, night after night, he would secretly send some of the people into the city so that people couldn't find them. They, they couldn't be followed. It was all done in secret. And then he was among the last group to go and they found their way into the city and then they stayed there. And the general rule was that nobody should leave because anybody who left could tell the enemy where the city is. Now, that rule didn't always get followed, but that's another story. Now, I spoke of Almo's warning to him, and I think that we need to go over some of the language in this. It specifically says in the Silmarillion that Almo says, Thus it may come to pass that the curse of the Noldor shall find thee to ere the end, and treason awake within thy walls. Then they shall be in peril of fire. But if this peril draweth nigh indeed, then even from Nevrest one shall come to warn thee, and from him beyond ruin and fire hope shall be born for elves and men. The wise and the powerful are often the ones who are giving foreshadowing in these stories, and Olmo is clearly wise and powerful here. He warns that he cannot protect Turgon and his people from the doom of Mandos, but there may still be hope. And this is one of the first times in the text that we actually get that this foreshadowing, not only of doom and gloom of war and terrible things. And the fact that the elves will not last forever, but this idea of hope. And he even gives him instructions in a way that he will know where this hope comes from. He says, leave therefore in this house arms and a sword that in years to come, he may find them. And thus shall thou know him and not be deceived. And then Turgon very clearly states what kind and what stature exactly how the helm and the mail and the sword should be designed and where it should be left behind. And this is another one of those awesome themes from mythology that Tolkien brings into this, this idea that there was already this equipment that fit the person who was foreshadowed to come. So the description of Gondolin should sound very familiar. A shining city. Gondolin upon Ammon Gweroth, the, the hill it was built on, became fair indeed, and it fit to compare even with Elven Tyrion beyond the sea, the city of the elves in Valinor. Remember this? He built it as an echo or inspired by the city that he used to live in. High and white were its walls and smooth its stairs and tall and strong was the tower of the king. 
There shining fountains played, and in the courts of Tyrion stood, and get this, this is, this is one of the pieces here that I think is most important. Images of the trees of old, which Turgon himself wrought with Elfcraft, and the tree which he made of gold was named Glingol, and the tree whose flowers he made of silver was named Belthil. So here we have a white city with high cliffs around it, towers, and two trees, very similar to Tyrion. And the trees themselves are silver and gold like the trees of Valinor. These elves were longing for home. They missed the place that they lived. And so they make a replica of it. And what's really cool about this is that it is not going to be the only replica we have of Tyrion. Think about in the Lord of the Rings. We've seen a white city with high cliff walls and a tree. Doesn't Minas Tirith also fit this description? Again, echoes upon echoes upon echoes. And you find them in Tolkien's works time and time again. The inspiration of the past, the great deeds of the past, the great creations of the past, the buildings, the cities themselves are then used as templates for the way the stories and places through the future of the story play out. Things in the first age, the second age, and the third age are in some ways echoes of the things that happened before then. And Wasn't this all foretold in the way the music played before the beginning of time? The themes in the music, the way music even works, the way songs work. You have a chorus and a verse, and those choruses and verses echo, but change over the course of the song. It's the same thing here. You can actually see the music in the events and the places in the first age. And then beyond that, it's like Tolkien knew what he was doing. And yet you can't really see it until you take a step back and look at everything all together. And that's part of the magic of these stories. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. 
Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons and welcome our newest patrons. We have four new patrons this last week. Welcome to Todd S., Patrick W., Barrett B., and Alaguna. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Thank you for signing up and supporting this project. I really do appreciate your support. This is my full-time job. So if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be able to do this and continue putting out the content so I extremely, extremely appreciate it. Also, we have to shout out our VIP patrons, Esoteric Rage, Larry, Tristan P., and Tyler B. Thank you for your support. You guys are amazing. We're up to 30 patrons right now. That's 30 individuals who are getting ad-free episodes a day early. That's uh, a bunch of individuals who are getting the bonus content, which is up to, I think, like, uh, well, this is episode 21. So aside from the first episode and the one bonus episode I put up for everybody, that's like 19 extra episodes at this point. And I'm going to keep doing these bonus episodes until I run out of topics. I think that's what I've decided is that I'm going to push myself to the point where I just don't have anything else to say. So maybe at some point I'm not able to keep up with it every week, but we're going to get there. And I will be able to answer more questions. That's the other thing. Oftentimes I will answer the questions from the patrons in some of these bonus episodes. And so we'll get deeper on topics that I didn't even think about delving deeper in. So check it out. If you are interested in supporting the show, if you've got a little bit of extra cash on you and you want to get even more content, then go check that out. Patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. So just Lord of the Rings Lorecast, L-O-T-R Lorecast. Also, we have a brand new review to read out this week. This one comes from Jay Jergy, I think is how you pronounce it, in the United States, who writes, 
in all caps, brilliant, five stars, and then five stars, five stars, five stars. So like 15 stars, 20 stars. I, I don't know how to add that all up. Do the stars count? Do I then add in the text? That would be 20. I don't know. But anyway, it goes on and says, I stumbled across this gem last week and could not stop listening. I binged episodes one to 21 in less than a week and cannot praise robots enough. He makes the lore relatable and palatable when it can often not come across that way. I've already recommended this to family and friends who I know will love it. Thank you so much, robots, and keep it up. Dude, thank you. Dude, lady dude, I don't know. Uh, individual, J. J. Jerji. Dergi, I don't know how to say words. Thank you so much for supporting the show by leaving an awesome review like this and by also telling your friends and family. That is huge. Word of mouth will do so much more than anything I can put out there. And it helps spread the show and share it with other people. And what better way to enjoy your friends and family than to share something you love with them. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. If you are looking to help the show in other ways, leaving a rating and a review on Apple podcasts, five stars. I'll read that out in the future is a great way to help. Also, you can leave a rating on Spotify. All of that stuff helps make sure that this show is more visible to more people. And I really appreciate your help. All right. We've got more stuff to talk about, but this time we're going to discuss Melian and Galadriel and their conversations. So get ready. So the other hidden kingdom that was being founded is, of course, Nargothrond. Remember Nargothrond? It was the place with the caves. um, Finrod Felagund was his name. We talked about how he got that name and the connection was with the dwarves and how the dwarves helped hew out the caves and build the underground hidden city of Nargothrond. Now you have to remember Finrod is siblings with Galadriel and Finrod has been working on this new location while Galadriel has been spending all of her time in Doriath with Melian just kind of hanging out, trying to learn what she can from a Maiar. And we have to remember the rareness of this. She is the only Maiar or Valar, other than like Almo telling Turgon that he was going to help protect Gondolin. Aside from that, and, and Almo isn't there all the time. It's almost more like his powers are kind of in the area doing their thing. That's the, the sense I get of that. But Melian herself lives in Doriath. She lives there. She is one of the only Maiar on the continent. The only other ones we know of are working for Morgoth, for Melkor, Sauron, the Balrogs, maybe the dragons. They're up against a lot. And Melian is one of the only good guys on their side. So Galadriel spends her time in Doriath speaking with Melian and Melian is of course wise and shrewd and she's aware, but she knows that there are things that she does not know. And so she's seeking to find these things in conversations with Galadriel. She's wondering things about the Noldor and why they're there and what actually happened in Valinor because she was not there. She cannot see the events. 
And the text here is so well-written and so interesting that I'm going to quote a lot today. A lot more than I normally do. So let's start out with it. So this is all during the time that Finrod was working on finishing Nargothrond in order to get all of his people to move in. And so we can imagine the camera panning over to Doriath and Galadriel and Melian are having a conversation. And the text says, And at times Melian and Galadriel would speak together of Valinor and the bliss of old. But beyond the dark hour of the death of the trees, Galadriel would not go, but ever fell silent. So she wouldn't tell Melian what happened after those events. She's kind of clammed up, right? So Melian says, There is some woe that lies upon you and your kin that I can see in you, but all else is hidden from me. By no vision or thought can I perceive anything that passed or passes in the West. A shadow lies over all the land of Amman and reaches far out over the sea. Why will you not tell me more? This shadow she's talking about is the effect of the Valar after the Kinslaying. Remember this? They basically kick out the Noldor. And are like, okay, you can't ever come back. You can't find your way back. And what's interesting about this is Melian does the same thing with the girdle she puts around Doriath. She has kind of the same effect going on here. And yet when she tries to look over to Valinar and to see at a distance using her magic Maiar vision or whatever, she can't. It is occluded from her. There are shadows and... She can't make out anything. She can't see over there. She also knows that the light of the trees no longer comes from Valinor and hasn't for a while now. That's why there's a sun and a moon. And that's the only event that, or at least that's the last of the events that Galadriel will discuss, is the nature of the destruction of the trees. So Galadriel responds and she says, for that woe is past and I would take what joy is here left, untroubled by memory. And maybe there is woe enough yet to come, though still hope may seem bright. So a couple of points here. She's basically like, okay, the bad stuff happened in the past. I just want to look forward and think about the good things that we have here. So can't we just do that? And maybe there's still more terrible things to come. She's hinting, right? She's hinting at the the doom that's on the Noldor, but still hope may seem bright. Again, a, a glimpse of some potential future hope. Then Melian looked in her eyes and said, I believe not that the Noldor came forth as messengers of the Valar, as was said at first. She's like, you guys, you guys have been lying to us. I get it. You are clearly not messengers of the Valar. And here's why. Not though they came in the very hour of our need, for they speak never of the Valar, nor have their high lords brought any message to Thingol, whether from Manwe or Olmo, or even from Olwe, the king's brother, and his own folk that went over the sea. 
For what cause, Galadriel, were the high people of the Noldor driven forth as exiles from Amman? And what evil lies on the sons of Fanor that they are so haughty and so fell? Do I not strike near the truth? Basically, if you guys were messengers from the Valar, then why don't you speak more of them? Why don't you talk of them? You don't bring them up. It's like it's like a bad relationship, right? Like you move on and you don't want to talk about the person that you had the bad relationship with because it hurts. You don't want to deal with those feelings. That's what she sees in the Noldor is that they they don't speak of the Valar. And this also has a connection to the worship of the Valar in Middle-earth. If you think about it, we've talked about this on previous episodes. You don't see temples or churches to these faiths. And the people who would have created those temples and churches, the ones who knew them most closely, the elves who lived there and knew them aren't creating them. They're not holding worship services of these high powers. So the Manish races that come later who would have learned of these things from the elves aren't doing so either because they don't learn to do so. It's one of the reasons why religion isn't a big deal in the world that Tolkien created, even though he himself was religious. An interesting thing. But Melian here is suspicious. And Galadriel responds. She says, Near, said Galadriel, save that we were not driven forth, but came of our own will, and against that of the Valar. Which is true. Originally they left. The Valar said, stay. We can work this out. The Noldor left, right? And then that's when the doom was proclaimed. And through great peril and in despite of the Valar, for this purpose we came to take vengeance upon Morgoth and regain what he stole. They're talking about the Silmarils here. Then Galadriel spoke to Melian of the Silmarils and the slaying of King Finway at Formanos, Fanor's father, but still said no word of the oath, nor of the kinslaying, nor of the burning of the ships at Lascar. She's hiding from Thingol and Melian the slaying of the king's brother. You have to remember here that Thingol and Olway Olway of the Teleri, Olway the leader, the king of the group of elves who lived on the shore that created the ships. They were siblings. Thingol was the older, Olway was the younger. Olway was the one that continued to Valinar when Thingol decided to stay with Melian. So Melian takes the information she learns from Galadriel about the Silmarils and talks to Thingol. She tells him that this is a great matter greater indeed than the Noldor themselves understand. For the light of Amon and the fate of Arda lie locked now in these things, the work of Feanor, who is gone. They shall not be recovered, I foretell, by any power of the Eldar, and the world shall be broken in battles that are to come. And again, she she's projecting into the future these prophecies. I guess you could call them prophecies. These premonitions, this foreshadowing, that the elves themselves will never be strong enough to get the Silmarils back, and that the world will be broken in battle. And yet in this chapter, we've had a few sections now where we've had a glimpse of hope as well. So we don't fully understand how all of this stuff will come about yet. 
So some time passes here, and there are whispers and rumors among the Sindarin elves. Word slowly gets out about what actually happened, and specifically about the kin slaying. And after some conversations with Melian, Thingol calls Finrod before him and basically confronts him and says, What have you done to me, kinsman, to conceal so great matters from me? Remember, he's the king here. For now I have learned of all the evil deeds of the Noldor. And Finrod answers, because remember, Finrod is of the group that went over the grinding ice, Finarfin's people. He was not of the group that killed and took the ships. Finrod answers, what ill have I done, Yon Lord? And what evil deed have the Noldor done in all your realm to grieve you? Meaning like, what have they done evil here now, right? Neither against your kinship nor against any of your people have they thought evil or done evil. Like the Noldor, uh, if you're lumping me in with the Noldor, what evil have we done since we've gotten here? We've been your friends. We've been helping you. We've been fighting against the evil things that plague our lands. And then Thingol responds and he says, I marvel at you, son of Erwin, said Thingol, that you would come to the board of your kinsmen thus red-handed from the slang of your mother's kin, and yet say not in defense, nor yet seek any pardon. He calls upon his mother, his mother who was of the Teleri, his mother who is closer relation to Thingol than he is, who is of their people originally, and says, you've been hiding this from me. And that's amazing. Why wouldn't you bring this up? Why wouldn't you seek my pardon? And so Finrod cries out, Lord, I know not what lies you have heard nor whence, but we came not red-handed, meaning he and his people, the people of Finarfin. Guiltless we came forth, save maybe of folly, to listen to the words of fell Feanor. Like we were tricked, sort of, to come here and take up arms against Morgoth in this terrible, terrible thing that led to so much suffering that we've already had to deal with. And then he goes on and says, and become as if besotted with wine and as briefly, like we were drunk to follow him. No evil deed did we do on our road, but suffered ourselves great wrong and forgave it. They suffered at the hands of the other Noldor. And yet forgave them in the end. Remember that? For this we are named talebearers to you and treasonable to the Noldor. Meaning that like, you call us liars. You think we're liars and they think we're treasonous. Untruly as you know, for we have of our loyalty been silent before you and thus earned your anger. But now these charges are no longer to be borne and the truth Yon shall know. Basically, I'm not going to sit here and let you think that we're terrible people when we're not. So I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And then he cries out again. Wherefore should we that endured the grinding ice bear the name of kingslayers and traitors? Basically, it is unfair for you to label this and to put this on us because it was not our fault. And if you actually look at it, Finarfin's people 
did participate a little bit in the kinslaying, but they came last. They came once the battle had already started and only to defend their own people. It wasn't their fault. They did not initiate it. So maybe some of them did take up arms against their own kin, but only after the battle had already started and when they arrived late. Again, due to following Feanor in kind of this drunken stupor, as he kind of puts it. So he makes this point to the king and basically says, like, we are not to blame. Don't put this on us. And Thingol goes off and thinks about it. Tries to put the pieces together to see if he's really telling the truth. And Finrod is sent away. And ultimately, Galadriel leaves Doriath as well. She decides to go dwell in Nargothrond with Finrod. At least for a little while. And we're given a conversation here at the end of the chapter between brother and sister, between Finrod and Galadriel. And it's told to us that Finrod Feligand, you can't forget his second name now that he lives in Nargothrond, never had a wife. He never took a wife. And Galadriel asked him why he was without a wife. And in that moment, as sometimes happens with the elves, you've seen this happen with like Elrond and and other characters. He had a moment of foresight and he responded and said, an oath I too shall swear and must be free to fulfill it and go into darkness, nor shall anything of my realm endure that a son should inherit. It's as if he has a sense of his own mortality And maybe that's not the right phrase for elves. His own doom, I think, might be the phrase that Tolkien would use. He has a sense of what lies in his future and all the work that he's doing and how ultimately it will not last. So why take a wife? Why father children when you have nothing to pass on to them once you're gone? But there's one other piece to this. And it's the fact that his heart and his affections actually laid with somebody that he could not be with. We're told that he loved someone named Amari of the Vanyar, who did not go into exile with the Noldor. She remained in Valinar across the sea where Finrod could no longer reach. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.